Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I am your co-host Dylan Stoll and I'm joined as always by my friend Michael Whifford. Hello, hello, hello. And today we also have our second special guest special here. Special guest. Say hello to my new wife, Amy. Woohoo! Hello everybody, I'm Amy. Alright, so Amy's joining us today because we are going to be talking about the Shadow and Bone book by Lee Bardugo. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to go over the book. All three of us have read it, say how we liked it, compare it to the Netflix series a little bit, and just like give our general impressions about this uh, first book in a trilogy from Lee Bardugo. Alright, so before we get started here... Just giving out the general reminders, if you want to get at us, you can do that on social media, on Twitter, at Fantasy Rewind, and on Instagram, at Fantasy Rewind Pod. And I just started a new email address for the podcast as well, Thank which you. is FantasyRewindPod at gmail.com. Feel free to tag us, comment, message us, anytime you want to talk fantasy, we're there to listen. Mm-hmm. All right, so... Before we jump into the main content here, do we want to talk about any fantasy news, Mike, or do you want to save that for next week's episode? We're going to save that for next week. Uh, next week, we're going to do a Geek Week episode. We're kind of kind of wait and see what all like Netflix comes out with on the different series. I'm super excited for the Sandman information that's going to come out, and I can't wait for us to like delve into that trailer, too. Uh, and that release date, and just get really pumped for that. And uh, then we'll kind of share all the other information that's come out in between now and then. I'm sure there will be stuff next week because news outlets will want to take some of that attention from Netflix, hopefully. All right, so before we get into Shadow and Bone here, Mike, why don't you give a little interview to our guest here? Yes, so I often get to sit here and Dylan gets to ask me the questions now because he knows our uh, special guest Amy so well. I get to ask the questions. I do know her. Okay, well, pretty well. <laughs> I mean, not to the level you know her, obviously, or at least I hope it wouldn't be the level that you know her <laughs> if you're married to her. Uh, <laughs> but um, Amy, so good to talk to you again, see you again in this very unique um, space, I guess. Yeah, you too, uh, Mike. <laughs> so, so far, we gotta, we have to know, what's it like living with Dylan? Well... <laughs> He's pretty great, honestly. So for those of you that are on the podcast, you know, I'm living with a guy that doesn't really like to eat vegetables um, and can be a little stubborn sometimes. Uh, He also wraps me up into playing board games every night and we talk about fantasy books in the podcast and watch a lot of great shows and um, and then for him getting married to me, we get to go hiking a lot and I bring him on lots of adventures. Sounds like a pretty good deal for both of you. Um, but Amy, uh, back to the, kind of the serious side here, I guess, of the podcast. Um, obviously, we, you know, we're kind of a fantasy-focused podcast. So what would be your kind of journey into reading? And so, like, what are some series that got you started in it when you were younger? And then specifically transition that into what fantasy books kind of got you hooked because I know that you you read you're a voracious reader and you read everything really, um, but like let's I want you to start with like what got you into it and then slide over to the fantasy and I know that could kind of be intermingled so. 
Oh, thanks for asking, Mike. Uh, so I uh, actually, you know, was told all about Harry Potter when I was in elementary school. First time I picked up picked up the book, I didn't like it actually. I put it back down <laughs> <laughs> after reading about the first twenty or thirty pages and said, "I don't understand why everybody loves this series." <laughs> and for those that know me now, that is pretty hilarious because I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I know that's why it's so shocking to me because literally, I mean, half of your wedding was Harry Potter stuff. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, for those out there that pick up a series and don't like it, give it another try. Um, but I came to love it so much, my sister makes fun of me because I used to do my homework and hang out in the closet under the stairs at home because I think I felt like I was in Harry Potter. Um, and speaking of such, uh, after our wedding this past weekend, I really wish I had a time turner so I could go back and relive our wedding day over and over again. So oh I, I'm a huge fan. Um, but I also think I'm your first female guest on the podcast. Would that be right? That's right. Yeah, that's true. You're also our second guest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, because um, I also was a huge fan of Tamora Pierce, um, who does a lot of fantasy writing. And I think a lot of female readers like her stuff. Woot woot. So shout out to those out there. Um, and a, a really good series, uh, Song of the Lioness, where she had like, a female knight, Alana, who like, you know, masqueraded as a guy, but then it was found out as being a woman. Um, so lots of great works that I read by her in middle school. I, to be honest with you, I have never, I've probably seen it, but I've never actually like, I've never, I don't think I would be able to recognize it. I've never actually re- recall hearing about it. So that's cool. Any other questions, Dylan, for Amy outside of maybe like just some, general information about who she is yeah so uh tell us about like your journey into reading in general like when did you start reading what were some early books you remember picking up oh gosh he was not satisfied <laughs> i know what, i guess not but um, i asked uh i i don't know my first it all book. started with those board books the yeah. golden apple books really <laughs> dylan um you know my mom used to read them to me i don't know I understand where you're going, though, buddy. <laughs> what so, you like, say? I guess, what would be some of your favorite, like, elementary, like, books? Because I think about a lot of people who, even, like, adults, d- are not readers now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when I do think about readers, I do think about, like, you specifically. You do post a lot of pictures on your Instagram, which if you want to throw that in at the end, while you're sharing this part, you definitely can. Uh, she does great book recommendations. Um but you read a lot of books and you lead, read so many different kinds of books. And so what were some series that really have kept you, I don't know, being a reader your entire life or like what sparked this love of reading? I think it's honestly my parents bringing us to the library all the time as a kid. Mm. Um, you know, growing up, my mom said that she brings us there a lot. Also, just it's a free activity when you don't have a lot of money that you can do with your kids all the time. So that's what got it started, and I did, like, some little reading club things at the library. I, I really read everything, so um, I don't even know what my favorite book was when I was a little kid, because I just read a lot. But So did you not have, like, a favorite genre either? Oh, always fantasy. I mean, huge, oh, okay, like, Disney cool. fan as a kid, so, like, anything that was, like, fantasy world, some magic and princes and uh, princesses and princes in there, always good. 
<laughs> cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right, I'm done with the grilling. Dylan, <laughs> if you have any follow-up questions, feel free. If not, I think we could jump into uh, Shadow and Bone. Yeah, let's just jump into Shadow and Bone, and we'll start talking about that. So, starting right off here... Um, Mike, what were your general impressions of Shadow and Bone? Just overarching, like, impressions of the book. Okay, I do have to say, with the book, um, definitely a bit more romantic, like, a bit more of a YA, young adult, romance mm-hmm. vibe to it, which, to be honest with you, I don't mind, because I, I, listen, I read the Twilight series, and I love the Twilight series. <laughs> do not like the movies, though. Uh, do not, yeah. Do not. I'm not a fan of the movies necessarily, uh, but I love the Twilight series books, and so I kind of got the same sort of vibes there uh, as I was reading this a bit. I was like immediately the main character and uh, the boy she grew up with there. I listen terrible with their names. Elena Starkov. I know her last name. Yeah, Elena Starkov and Mal. Elena Starkov and Mal. Yes. Uh, instantly knew. Okay, Starcross. Like you know, they're she likes him, but he doesn't notice her that or feel that way. Like got those vibes all right off the bat. Um, and I think too, they did a really interesting job with them, though making them both in this army and kind of having to be because they were up growing up from this poor orphanage. So I liked I liked a lot of the aspects there, but the romance thing threw me off. Um, and then some other big impressions from the book. Ooh, I'd have to say I really like the magic system in this book. And even though it wasn't, like, fully explained, I just always dig when, you know, you have people who have a certain affinity for some type of magic. Because I think that's just a, it's such an interesting and way to catch... Or such an interesting thing, and it's a great way to catch people. It's sort of the same thing with, like, Avatar, the last Airbender series. And I don't know if you guys watched that. Great animated show. Fantastic, really. It's such a great show for anybody. Adults, kids, doesn't matter. Uh, but you can just, you, you might, you, you might be walking away and just thinking, what kind of like bender would I be if I were a bender? <laughs> Same thing like this. I'm sitting there like, what kind of Grisha would I be if I were a Grisha? Hmm. I don't know. But <laughs> it's just sort of the same thing with like Harry Potter when it's like, which house would I go into? It sucks you in because it's like, where would I be in this world? Uh, what about you guys? What about you, Amy? What were some of the, th- your big impressions from the book? We'll save Dylan for last. He can wait. Yeah, I watched the series first and then read the book. And so, mm-hmm. you know, um, one impression for me was that the Darkling was really creepy in the book, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm like, yeah. ooh, creeper alert. So uh, <laughs> so that was something that was different um, and and a part of the book that was interesting to me. Um, I agree with you on them playing up the love story a little more, which I also appreciate as a young adult uh, fiction reader. And I also liked, um, you know, whenever an author puts so much thought into creating a universe like this one did, and she talked about how the even the word Grisha um, was reminiscent, A, of, of geishas, um, you know, people like clouded in mystery and kind of like having to be decorated and, and play themselves up. Um, and also how I had to go with other words, I think, for like someone in disguise and things like that. Um, so I liked how there was a lot of play on words and like how she created the characters and their names. Yeah, I know for me, like I was not expecting the book to be as young adult as it actually turned out to be. Um, 
I still powered through, though, and I still relatively enjoyed it. Not quite as much as I thought I would, though, um, because like Amy said, and I know, Mike, this is the same with you, I watched the show on Netflix first and was not quite expecting it to be as young adult. I also was a little blown away by the fact that it was all from Alina Starkov's perspective, because in the show there, you kind of get that shared perspective, and that's more of Mm -hmm. something that I'm more familiar with, you know, with the Song of Ice and Fire and uh, Wheel of Time and everything. And just hearing you talk about, like, the different kinds of Grisha and the specialities and everything really just made me think of, like, the Wheel of Time Ajas as well. And, like, talking about, like, how you have, like, that niche within the magical world there. But I want to do give, or sorry, I do want to give Leo Bardugo a lot of credit because in the book itself, I'm not sure about the copy you read, Mike, but in the copy we have of Shadow and Bone, there's an entire, like, afterwards talking about her inspiration for the series and, like, how Amy mentioned, like, why she chose to make Grisha the word she used for her magic users why yeah, she like yeah why she like blended a lot of like the the russian and like eastern european words into some of the things that she um was representing in the book there so i was quite impressed by just like having her like source material being like laid bare and kind of wide open for a lot of people and i thought that was really cool um, to speak to Amy's point about the Darkling being a little bit more creepy and everything, <laughs> I think that is definitely true. Um, I also feel like because the book is more young adult, having him be the way he is adds a little another level to that creep factor. Um, yeah. I will say, though, that um, there were scenes, I thought, in the book that were a little bit more brutal in the book than they were on the show as well. Like, specifically when uh, Lena abandons everybody in the void there, um, where she, like, you know, talks about seeing everybody getting murdered by the creatures that were inside the the void yeah. and everything. But that I was going to jump into cool. that when we talked about uh, a little bit more on the differences there, but mm-hmm. I think that was a good point to bring up at the end. So, yeah, I guess the next question I want to ask you, and I like this, like, little round-robin rotation we have going on here with, like, you, Mike, and then Amy, and then I'll kind of cover up the the back half here. Uh, what were some of the things that you liked better about the book than uh, necessarily the series that you saw on Netflix? Or what are some things that stood out to you within the book itself that, like, differentiated it or maybe things that were similar? Or what were some things that you enjoyed is- from the novel? Big question here. Uh, I do have to say that I enjoyed that. I I like that I watched the um, show first and then read the book this time because I feel like it really eliminated any of, like, expectation for the show. So I was really able to just take in the show and then I can kind of look at it like, okay, this is the book, this was the show. What didn't I like? What did I like? And I do know that with the show, and I think we've talked about this before, and I looked this up actually while I was watching the show because I had seen something about it posted that the show really was a mixture of two of the books. Mm-hmm. This book and then I, I don't know what the, which other... What it was the Six for Crows duology was the other one that got mixed with it. There we go. And so it obviously changed the story a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly what changed in it because you don't see any of the other characters uh, or... You may you may have seen them in her perspective, but she didn't know who they were, so they never really met, at least, um, in, in the book. But in the show, they did. 
I, I think my favorite scenes that were kind of cut out of the show, I'd say, or they were skipped or moved around for time, uh, was really the training, all the training she did at the little... Um, the little palace. Little, ta- little palace, there we go, little palace. Yeah, it's yeah. like her Mulan moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, Amy. Yeah, perfect. The except they're gonna make a Grisha out of her, right? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I really like that in the story because you got so much more detail in all those characters around her, like why those people were there, kind of how she viewed them, and like it. It made me feel something about the other Grisha, and so whereas in the show, like it was just like okay, that guy is just. Like, the guy who, uh, I forget his name, who, you know, has, yeah, oh my gosh. Who does, like, the He's antler like, collar on her? No, yeah. Yeah. Like, the, the fastener or whatever. Her name. Fabricator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fabricator. And even, um, I mean, we got a lot of her in the show, but not as much as, not as much as I would have liked, is the girl who does, like, the Genya. face altering. Yes, Jenya. Um, so I think being able to have a stronger relationship with those characters was really important in the books. So I appreciate you guys helping me with their names. I could sit there and say everything they did, but I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> their names. Anyway, what about you, Amy? Um, there Dylan? Were... There's other things, but... Yeah, there were a few things. One was I liked all the flashbacks of their childhood that are in the mm. book where they, they go back and you see these like moments between the two of them. Were you going to say something, Mike? I, no, I just had a, I have a question I want to ask after you oh. about these for to both of you guys. Okay. <laughs> in just a moment. Um, so I really liked that backstory that you get of them as kids growing up together that helps to shed more light on the relationship um, of the two of them. And then I agree with, um, I like the development of more characters. And you saw that with Jenya because they developed this friendship. You also see how, like, there's this order to the uh, the G- Grisha, right? Some are kind of looked at better than others. Um, mm-hmm. And she's kind of the low man on the totem pole. She wears white just like the servants do. And then you see, because we learned about her character, when when she turns, right, on Elena, and then they have this interaction afterwards towards the end of the book. Um, you know, it has so much more meaning to it, right? Like that, that, that friendship was betrayed and, and they kind of talk that out and like you understand the reasoning behind it. Um, and one of my favorite parts was, um, I think the tender moments with her and Mal and one was specifically when there was the festival going on while they're on their journey and she goes into the little town and she goes to steal the bread and then they get cornered by the thieves and, and my favorite part, though, is after that interaction, they're just laughing together. And he says, that better be some good bread. And, <laughs> right? and then they eat this bread that tastes delicious and it's shaped like a bird. And so you get these really sweet, tender moments um, of character development. And they did different ones in the show that weren't in the book. But those were some of my favorite ones um, that stood out. I agree. That was a really cool moment seeing that between them now my question was about their past okay so this was something i like was thinking back on i was like i don't know if she if the author ever really delved into this more but they brought up the duke and how he would come and like they were so have to had to be so thankful for him and all this all the time but it seemed like there was something there with the duke that some bit of information that was just missing like 
they almost had like a like they didn't want to share with people that they were from his manor or anything else like there was i don't know did you guys ever get that vibe that there was a piece of information that wasn't disclosed that should have been because like she talked about how she wasn't going to tell other people what that she was Mm -hmm. from there so i think some of that was like they didn't want to like have when they were talking with like other orphans and everything like talk about like their own privilege because Mm -hmm. they were being like taken care of and cared for by this wealthy individual but also they didn't want to like reveal that they were orphans to other people like because they were already being looked down upon because they were commoners they didn't want to be looked down upon even more because they were strictly orphans that was like my impression of it and you know you see like in the book when and in the show as well i think they had this part in there when alina goes and says hi to the duke the duke doesn't recognize her because to him you know he, she was just another nameless orphan that he had at his his little uh, retreat there. Whereas to her, you know, the Duke was the Duke. You know, this guy that was, like, there and taking care of them, like, in a roundabout way. But it seems like it meant less to him than it did to her and the people that were being taken care of by him. Um, That was my impression of that. Um, or... Yeah, go ahead, Amy. He did recognize her, but pretended he didn't because there's something fishy going on there. Like, maybe this orphanage was a place for them to, like, find kids with special abilities or other stuff was going on. And there's a reason he doesn't want to associate with her. Because it did seem a little strange. Yeah. I mean, the next book, we'll uh, we'll have to see what gets revealed in that. Because none of us have read that one yet. And we will more than likely read the next book ahead of watching season two of Shadow and Bone on Netflix, which is going to be cool. See if our perspective changes a little bit, having read first or not. (laughs) But to go back to what you guys were saying, uh, my favorite part as well of the book itself was seeing her growth throughout the training and everything because you really got mm-hmm. way more of a sense of that in the book than you did within the show. I mean, in the show, you know, she's off changing or sorry, uh, training with the Darkling's mother and, you know, going about her business there. But that's really all you see of it. And it's relatively mm-hmm. quick from the time she enters there to be her being able to produce light by herself. Whereas in the book, it was this whole drawn-out process that took months, and she had to really fight for it, and she had to really fight to get into physical conditioning and learn to learn to have hand-in-hand combat, and everything that was really highlighted in the book that was with that extra mile that you didn't quite get in the show itself. Um, I do think that it was interesting how uh, you're talking about Jenya there, Amy. How as soon as Jenya betrays Alina, you see that shift from her wearing the white that the servants were wearing to her wearing the blue, I think it was, right? Like she was able to change into the color of the rest of the Grishas that technically fell under her classification. And so you see, like, that was her way out. She didn't really, like, have much of a choice in her betrayal. It was kind of like she was backed into a corner, being sexually assaulted by the king being a slave to the queen and just this was her chance to get out of that situation so i do feel bad for her because i really do feel like a lot of her friendship towards alina was genuine Mm -hmm. but she was just put in such a bad situation that she had no way out other than to betray that friendship that she had developed with her um i do also really like the scene you talked about amy with them stealing the bread and like alina being like you know what 
I have my own weapons right here, blinded, and like dazzles the people. Oh, her little mirrors, her yeah. little finger mirrors. I, I, see, I really liked those too, like the mirrors that she had, that she had like wrist mirrors she could like flick out and kind of, you know, use those as her like little weapon to weaponize the light there. I thought that part of it was really interesting because that might have been in the show, um, but if it was, it was way less important in the show than it was in the books. In the books, that part was quite cool to me. Um, I will also say that I thought seeing things only from Alina's perspective made the whole Mal side of the story a lot more questionable. Um, And what I mean by that is you didn't know Mal was off on this mission to find the stag. You didn't know what he was doing the entire time Alina was at the Little Palace. And you were not necessarily expecting her or him to come and rescue her when he does. um, Unless you've watched the series and then you're like, okay, here's what's coming up. Um, So that was a that's a change in the perspective taking that happens within the book where you don't necessarily have all of that information and not having that information does make you just more curious. I feel like with the direction of other characters other than Alina herself and the blending of the books, you said, Mike, I feel like that was done so well with the Netflix show as far as transitioning these characters who may or may not be in that same area into the storyline of Shadow and Bone pretty seamlessly. Like, I could totally see that where they fit in. And the fact that they weren't in the original book here, I would have never guessed that. Like, it just, it was done so well as far as the the alteration to the adaptation on Netflix. But in general, I felt like reading the book I was like, I can, I'm picturing the series playing out ahead of me because the adaptation was done so well and stuck so close to what was written down in the books for a vast majority of things that it was a great one-to-one adaptation for a lot of it. Yeah, it was. And uh, just to circle back to what you had said about her training, I think it was really cool getting that it was it was so important for her to kind of discover herself Mm -hmm. and that she had just been like lying to herself and suppressing who she really was all this time and it wasn't until she finally acknowledged that that she was able to take the training and really excel Mm -hmm. and i just think about like that's such a relatable message to anyone really you know and like there was a physical difference too like you start seeing like her stop having that sickly look to herself and start like being like truly beautiful like truly complete within herself and like having that sense of self um was so important to her growth as a character as well Mm -hmm. i think i again think it's such a powerful message for anyone especially youth like i mean anyone who's struggling with who they are who they think they are who don't know who they are like you need to figure that out if you're gonna really blossom because you pretending to be others or pretending to be a certain way for another person isn't going to be healthy for you and isn't going to allow you to grow. But you need, like, you know, she kept pining after Mel and then finally she was like, I'm done with this. Like, I need to figure myself out. Like, yes, queen, yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so talking about some of the stuff from the book that you didn't necessarily like quite as much, what were some things that were done in the book that, you didn't necessarily like or weren't the biggest fan of? 
Um, I think, I think because in the show, like you had, you had been talking about the seamless interact, like the seamlessness of having the other story, uh, melded into this one and getting all those other characters. So we got their perspectives and their culture as well. And this one with it just focused on, um, Starkov, we did not get that. And so we, we, I think we, we had a, we kind of had a, we were, worse off for it you know agreed because we didn't get we didn't get to understand these other cultures really as much we we see that they don't like the grisha but we don't know why um whereas in the show you get a bit more information and a bit more of like some of these cultures really hating the grisha and why they hate the grisha um i said grisha grisha (laughs) grisha um and i think that's really something that the book really needed in some aspects. I mean, the author did a really great job of explaining like why the rift would cause like financial troubles and divides in the kingdom, but it's not explaining like the, why this huge war is going around necessarily. And I just wanted a little bit more of that. I wanted a little bit more of the culture building. Like mm-hmm. why are these cultures so different that um, the dark one, the darkling, sorry, the darkling getting other fantasy series confused there. uh the darkling uh i felt like was fleshed out a bit more in the show in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. where you see wasn't in the book as much you got more of his motivation in the show because wasn't it his i don't know if that was made up or not uh because obviously we didn't see in the book but his girlfriend did she get killed by humans? I think that so. Was like his in, main... in the in the show, at least, that's what it's that's what it looked like. I'm not sure if they'll go into that in another book um, or not, or if that was made up for Netflix. But it explained him a lot more thoroughly. Well, it made gave him an actual reason to be the way he is. Whereas in the book, it just sort of is like even his mom's like he just lusts for power. Yeah. He, I know who he is. He's been this way forever, which would also build <clears throat> excuse me build into him being creepy. He's been alive for however many years. Like, he don't care. He's done it all. He's seen it all. He's You're just another piece on the puzzle for him. So he's just going to do what he's done a million <coughs> times over uh, to get what he wants. I don't know. What about you guys? What were some of the things that you were like, mm. Well, I think just overall the show was created for an audience that spanned from, like, young adult into, like, full adult viewers. And so... It just had a little bit more mature and elevated content. Things felt a little more complex in the show because of the weaving storylines. And the book almost felt too simple to me in comparison because Mm -hmm. I had seen the show first. So I still enjoyed it, but it was a very, like, quick read. And there were times in the book where I wish they went into more detail on things and it just kind of stopped there. Um, So that's just one thing about the book that I didn't like as much as the show. But... You know, if I just read the book, never saw the show, uh, if I read this when I was in middle school, I think I would have really liked it and would have kept going and and read the next few books. Yeah, no, I think I want to just echo what Amy said. Um, I thought that while I still enjoyed the book, um, I did enjoy the show a little bit better. And part of that, I feel like, goes back to what you said, Mike, with the limited perspective taking of everything being from Alina Starkhouse's perspective for the book – I feel like the mixed narrator of the show having things happen from Mal's perspective, having things happen from the additional characters that were added, their perspective, gave things 
a little bit more it made it a little bit more of a full world than just everything that was happening from Alina's perspective here. And like even the fact like in the show Alina is referred to as being Shu, it's like okay, you know, what does that even mean? And then in the in the books here she's not. Um but mm-hmm. I'm I'm almost wondering like if they're going to flush that out a little bit more and it like I said it just adds more richness to the adaptation um, with there being a fuller world, being more perspectives from a lot of characters. Um, I feel like that is the my biggest complaint about the book. It was a very quick read. It was a very easy read. Um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of The Hunger Games as far as complexity level, um, reading level-wise. But the book itself also, I feel like the young adult nature of it made it so I was questioning for a little bit if I actually wanted to continue reading the book series or not, um, just because of how vastly different um, like the tone was. Because the tone of the Netflix series there, it was more wide-ranging. Like I didn't feel like I was out of place being a, being a man in my young, early 30s watching this show Whereas, like, being a man in my early 30s reading this book that is arguably meant for teenage girls. Um, I will say, yeah, I think the scene with her and the Darkling is even more steamy than the show. I, I think. Oh, well, yeah. I was, well, yeah. I'd have to go back and rewatch that. <laughs> uh, for posterity's sake. Speaking of teenage yeah, girls, yeah. Yes, but... That was like a question I was having, um, a debate I was having with myself because I went out and I bought the entire Shadow and Bone um, trilogy as well as the Six for Crows duology. But I had decided, you know what, I'm just going to read it at least one time all the way through and see how it goes. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how I like the second book in the series because I don't have any expectations going in. Because the, all I know is the show ends with them all sitting on a boat. What's going to happen? Where are they going to go? And it kind of ends in a similar way with the ending of Shadow Very and Bone. So. Where they're like, okay, we're going to go somewhere. But where? Who knows? So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm more interested, I will say, to read the other books in the series than I feel like I am in being, satisfi- being satisfied with reading Shadow and Bone itself. Now, I don't know too much about the other books necessarily, but I'm assuming they're kind of just from like this one where it's from a fixed perspective and it's probably going to interlay a lot of the events, which if that's the case makes it really interesting because it's almost like, well, the author basically took a big novel like something out of Game of Thrones and split like the like they were like, oh, I wrote this giant book, but how can I make more money? (laughs) Let me split this into three separate series. And then when the readers read them, the events like interlet, like interlock. And if that's the case, then I think that's going to be really interesting to kind of explore. But I don't know how much of that is in there um, because I think about in the show and this, I wanted to go here next anyway, but some of the changes in the show or some of the perceived changes, at least for me, um, that I thought were okay or either added on or were just, you know, kind of a different, but that night when she was showing off her powers mm-hmm. 
you know how she went around, ran around, and then she eventually got into the back of the coach that um, I want to say the mercenary. I don't know what their name. Yeah, the mercenary. The group. mercenaries were. Yeah, they were driving, which she did end up in the back of a coach. But I, they talked with her actually afterwards, whereas in the book she didn't interact with anyone. So I think that was a difference. But some one of her Grisha friends were killed in the in the show. In an assassination attempt, remember, because yes. they were trying on her face. Yep. Yeah, and I do got to say too, the show you were talking about the maturity, Amy. I thought like the scene with um, like Mel's friends when they were like fighting, yeah. like that gave me um, Saving Private Ryan vibes. I don't know if you've watched that movie, but there's a scene at the end when they're fighting the German soldiers, and there's a like there's two American soldiers. They're fighting this. This, this German and the one guy gets scared and he's out in the other room while the other guy's fighting him and he just hears his friend like no 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 as the guy's slowly mm. bringing the knife into his heart literally this I've almost threw up I was so sick because his friend was literally in the next room or his teammate whatever listening to this happen not intervening because he's just so scared to and the, as the German soldier pretty sure it's German mm-hmm Right? Same primary? Yes. As a German... I'm remembering this right, right? The German yeah. soldier slowly puts the knife into his heart. Like, it's just like, I'm screaming at the TV, what are you doing? Get in there, stop him! Like, the like, it was kind of... It, it. There was some parts with this where I was just, not like that quite in, emotional, like they weren't doing it, but just like, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is really intense and mm. very uncomfortable. There's these basically kids fighting these grown adults who were just vikings (laughs) yeah basically like and they're not they're not taking things easy they're pulling out the machine gun and literally just ripping them to shreds and it's just not good and uh, very uncomfortable and i think in the book you did you got some moments about like some hints of that like you know there's your child soldiers and all this but like you know when Mal is supposed to kill her because she's like you should kill me if i'm taken by the darkling and then he doesn't that was pretty tense in the book um so they think they did a good job on that but the show you're right brings it out even more right like you don't really see much of the fjordans in the book here at all again because it's all from alina's perspective all you really get is like mal hinting about what happened um, when he went to go find the stag with uh, his friends there but actually being able to see it happening from his perspective really amped things up to another level for the show wise and everything um, I will also say, just to talk about the Saving Private Ryan scene you were talking about, what makes that scene, I think, even more unsettling is that the camera is focused on the guy in the other room, like kind of rocking back and forth crying, whereas in the background, out of focus, you see all this stuff happening. Mm. And so it's like you're just seeing like the impact of of the war happening right there, but gruesome scene for sure. Um Talking about the differences from the show to the book as well, um, I think, I'm not positive, but I think the other books in the Grishaverse here happen at different points in time than the main story. I'm not 100% positive, but that is what I think I remember hearing. So I don't know if we will see overlap or not, but I'm, I'm really curious to see how it is, again, because... I have zero expectation going into these other novels 
Um, so I'm really curious to see how that translates to my enjoyment versus having this example of a show and going into this book expecting it to kind of be like that, and for the most part being or having it be delivered. Um, but yeah, those are my thoughts on on the negatives of the show. It's just really not or negatives of the book. There really aren't that many, other than like I said, the tonal thing not being my favorite, but solid book, solid adaptation. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Sim? Um back to I guess your question, Mike, was just about differences, right? Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. And I guess the only one we haven't fully fleshed out is, like, the addition of the fabricators in the book that aren't a part of the show at all. Um, they are, just in really. the background, though. Yeah, they're, nev- they're never really touched on at all. Yeah, Like, David, they- I think, is unnamed. Yeah. And yes. I feel like in the book, I just feel like they have this whole huge workshop, right, where they're creating. Same thing mm-hmm. with, like, the heart renders, and they have, like, a whole area that's, like, their lab, yeah. almost, where they're experimenting. So you feel like this, it feels a little more like a school, right? In the book Mm -hmm. where they're all learning and being trained over many years and they've created this giant facility um, for each type of Grisha. Um, And I thought the Fabricators was cool because I almost felt like taking it back a generation like Spy Kids where they're creating all these cool gadgets uh, for all these Grisha to use, which goes to show as well, like, you know, their their power is only as good as the support that they give each other um, in a way um, that they all kind of depend on each other. Um, so I thought you kind of understood that interplay a little better in the book um, than in the show. Um, so, yeah. I, I don't think we can, like, fully close the, like, book on... Um can't fully close the book on shadow and bone until we talk about the ending and dylan you kind of brought it up a little earlier on uh, because that is probably the the biggest scene that is very different between the show and the movie in the show um obviously they they kind of had this huge battle uh people stepped up and helped starkov whereas in the book nobody helped her um as she was trying to rescue mal and save these people as the Darkling pushed out the, like, borders of the... Um, the fold. Yeah, the fold. Thank you. Uh, so I think that's a really big difference there. What were your thoughts on the changes? Like, which one did you prefer? The book highlights both, more really. of an inner struggle, right? Mm-hmm. And the show also had more of the outer action. So the book, all of a sudden, she discovers, right, that she can, like overcome the darkling's hold on her and still shine her light um to save mal right when he's on the side of the boat and about to be killed or and attacked so you see that inner change where all of a sudden she realizes wait a minute i might be able to like still use these antlers like for good almost as an amplifier and and find a way to kind of wield my power around that and i feel like that's kind of how the book ends Whereas the show is more of an outward, like, hey, all these people are gathering that are on your side and kind of heading in the same direction as you because they're all in the boat together mm-hmm. in the show, the, the different people, the different characters. So I actually preferred the, the ending within the book to the ending on the show, which is funny considering everything I've said about the book so far. Um, but I really liked how like, you can see almost like 
Alina's power being the light, I feel like it's a big metaphor for, you know, just being able to, like, be yourself and, like, let your light shine and everything, you know, just, (laughs) you know, going a little, a little uh, straightforward there. But I like how there was no one else jumping to her aid. I like how it was all, like, her own inner struggle to overcome the Darkling's hold and realizing that this curse of being given the antlers and having them, you know, protruding from her collarbones and everything is actually going to be a benefit to her and how she can kind of harness that and take it as a badge of honor almost and use it to her benefit. Um, I also really liked how within the, within the book, it was a little bit more gruesome at the end with pretty much everyone on board being murdered <laughs> with the exception everyone that you know of, yeah, yeah with the exception of the darkling and we only know the darkling survives because of the show, of the show. Yeah. yeah and and in the book at the end the author has her commentary and she's like yeah guys the darkling's coming yeah back. so yeah lee bardugo <laughs> is like yeah the darkling's still alive <laughs> but so and I, that yeah. was that was my feeling on the ending i thought that the book did it better actually i'd agree with you uh, i really enjoyed the book's ending there i thought that was a very satisfying way you know she was she gave them all a chance and they chose to be to stay with the dark right to stay with the dark side mm-hmm. rather than come to the light huh? oh so many you know just, just <laughs> hanging fruit there um i really like that as well remind me real quick though because you guys watched the show a lot more recently than i did mm-hmm did in the show didn't she take the antlers out of herself no she can't take them out of herself so the fabricators like made them like melded them to her collarbones like made them a part of her she's like wearing a cloak over them though to like hide them okay i just wanted to i just wanted to make sure because i couldn't remember if like in the show she like it was like symbolic like she ripped them off i don't didn't remember that so that's just me misremembering which is fantastic because i was gonna (laughs) say i didn't i wouldn't have liked that uh, if they that happened, but okay, good. We all kind of enjoyed the ending there. Yeah, Fantastic. yeah. No, like the, her reclaiming the antlers basically is like the big message at the end. So like, if she like ripped them out of herself like that, that wouldn't be too great. Also, in the end of the book, she kind of comes to peace with you know them being a part of her and like them mm-hmm. like having her own Grisha power here. She kind of starts to be like, you know what, I am a Grisha. Well, the book also alludes to that's going to cause maybe an issue because Mal kind of alludes to her needing to get rid of them. Yeah. And she's, she's like, like no. <laughs> and well, internally more. Yeah. She's like, no, I don't want to. So that's going to cause some conflict. You know that. Yeah. That's I was going to bring that up. I was like, she already set up for the next book, like this whole like. I'm a Grisha, male's not. Can we be together? Uh, like, <laughs> so if I'm sure, I'm sure this book series ends with male dying for her and her being like, oh, I'll give up the Grisha power. No, this is no. young adult. This Mike. is young It'll adult. Be fine. So yeah, I was gonna say. So predictions for the next <laughs> book or predictions for the series in general here, um, because oh, neither none of us show or book. Show Let's or go book. book. Let's go okay. books, since we're talking about the Shadow and Bone book right now in this episode. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of want to go first here, so I'm going to hijack that. But, like, I'm betting that we're going to have, in book two, the whole parting of Mal and Alina, and then book three, the reunification of Mal and Alina yeah. coming back together. It's a tried and true trope, and mm-hmm. 
with this being YA, I definitely see that being the way that it goes. Oh, yes. Stick with the tropes. Now, here's the question, though. Why are they going to separate? Is it going to be... It's going to be because, because of Alina's powers. they drive each other. Like, she drives him away. Partially, but I think or... there'll also be a reason behind it. Like, maybe she has to go off and do some type of journey on her own or next step yes. on her own. And he has to also complete something, a separate side mission as well. I'm just going to go out and call it. She's going to find her light mistress. What does that mean? Yeah. Somebody with light powers that's going to teach her. Or some mm. sac- ancient way of Grisha-ing that <laughs> she to learn. You know, she needs her Yoda. She needs her Gandalf. She needs somebody to sort of lead her into an elevated state so that she mm. can actually fight. And maybe Mal the, uh, goes off and... She doesn't know this because it's just her perspective, but he realizes oh, he has. I was gonna some say, inner how power. much do you want to bet Mal has a power as well? Because he's like the oh, best yeah. tracker or whatever in oh, the book. Yeah. So. It's gonna be some weird like Grisha thing, right? Because there's that's something too. Like they want to put everything into boxes, but there are some Grisha that have fallen outside mm-hmm. of those boxes. So mm. Rebel Grisha. That's a good point. Any other characters yeah. that we think will make an appearance? Because I mean, I'm sure there's got to be more. Well, you know that heart render that's in the series there? Yeah. Like, she got mentioned throughout the show. And I loved, again, I love that there was almost like three storylines going on in the show, book series. I would really love to meet her character at some point and get a little more information on her in the book. Um, I don't know if that's a separate book series or if that's part of the... So, yeah, there are three Grishaverse... um, like storylines basically there's the shadow and bone trilogy there's a six for crows duology and there is another one i don't know what that one is and so i'm wondering if she is in one of the other two because i thought her story was really interesting since you really got more of the culture like differences there i mean it's really just romeo and juliet storyline for being honest with her <laughs> uh <laughs> but it's 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 still pretty cool. So I, I'd like to get a little bit more of her. What about you guys? I, I agree with that. I think I'm interested to see where the Darkling goes because I think mm-hmm. he's going to go into hiding because the book ends with a lot of people pretty upset with him. So I don't feel like he can just come out swinging in book two. Uh, so I think he's going to go into hiding and have some new plan up his sleeve that he's concocting. And maybe he's got to have new people then that come help him because a lot of his closest allies died. So he's going to have to be recruiting a new little army. See, I don't think he's going to go into hiding because he just killed the king and queen of their land there. Wait, he killed them? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he definitely definitely killed killed them. They didn't say it, but like all of a sudden the priest dude whatever oh, yeah. which also was that was a that was a really weird thing in the book i just didn't understand like because the priest was trying to help starkov and then all of a sudden like he's running the show like, yeah i think I he's like, like the darkling's like puppet for the king i don't know he's now, one of those but... characters they've kept ambiguous we don't right. really know whose side he's on but yeah what i was gonna say is i don't think the darkling after he just took over is going to abandon all of that amassed power. And I think what will happen is you know how in the show there was, like, the rebel general on West Rafka who, like, was, like, fighting against the Grisha. 
I'm betting that's what will happen is in book two and maybe three. I don't know what will happen here, but you'll have like some anti-Grisha people in Ravka that will like flock to this general's banner or whatever. Whereas the Grisha will kind of run things on one side of the fold. Maybe they'll run like the rebel the stuff on the, on the other side. Mm. Yeah, which would make sense. Which would make sense. Uh, because in the books, the the Grisha that got killed, she's still alive in the book. It was one of um, Starkov's friends. Friends. Frenemies? Well, it was the girl that was... She realized, like, oh, you're, like... You're jealous of me. Like, in the book. Oh, so in the, in the sure. show, she, like, changed to the good side or whatever. Okay. And in the bad... Because, like, that's what you're talking about, right? The girl who, like bloodied her up during combat training yeah no it wasn't her zoya? it wasn't no. her main yeah zoya is it what was i was one talking of... about oh yeah yeah but it was one of her main besties oh the like two girls. At, at the school one of the mm. two girls like remember she put on her face and she got stabbed oh yeah okay yeah so she's still alive in yeah the... yeah so the like that's why i was like Ooh. there's there's some discrepancies that are i wonder i, I wonder if jenya is going to, like, mask up another Grisha to say, like, this is Alina. You know, like, make her look like oh. Alina. And, like, pull, pull her forward as, like, a fake Sun Summoner. Hmm. Mm, they could do that. Yeah, that would be an interesting thing to keep the presence alive. Right. Like, the Sun Summoner is still there. Like, she's still harnessing her power to get rid of the fold. Right. And to keep things in balance or in check right now. Mm-hmm. Could be interesting. There's a lot of really ways it could go, though, which is what's kind of yeah. exciting. And I yeah. think Alina and Mal are going to get some new misfit friends. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. They got to get a band together, you know. So, and it'll be interesting because wherever they go, again, I think it's just going to be really cool to see some world building in terms of like other cultures. And so maybe it's going to be a place where Grisha aren't like out in the open, right? And so they find some Grisha like hidden down deep and that's where they find like there's these great master oh, teachers grisha underground to to yes grisha underground the sequel all right i think that's gonna wrap it up though for our talk on shadow and bone the book by lee bardugo um if you have any thoughts on the show the series or anything else you want to send our way definitely do so you can do that again at the the previously mentioned spaces <laughs> um <laughs> Anything else, Mike, that you want to say before we get out of here? I would just say I definitely think it's worth a read. Um, it's a very quick read very like quick. we talked about. Just borrow it from your local library. Uh, you don't have to be like Dylan and <laughs> go out and purchase it. I just I, I have an e-reader, and I just borrowed it right from my library and read the first book there, and I'll see if they have the other ones as well. But, yeah, uh, Amy, any last things you would like to say? Do you want... Oh, I'm all good, but uh, <laughs> you guys, you'll know me. I like all the posts that these guys put up, so you can find me. Um, but thank you guys for having me on the show. It was really fun. Good. I'm glad that you were able to make a night and uh, make a night of it and join us. Yeah. All right. Well, for myself, Mike, and Amy, this is Three Nerds signing off. Woo-woo. Bye. Bye.